Okay, so we are thinking about Deborah this morning. Uh, you might know who she was, um, one of 12 judges listed in the book of Judges, and the only female judge that we read about. And there's not as much written about her in the Bible as I thought there was when I picked her as one of my character studies. Um, so, <laughs> it might be a short ministry this morning. So who was she? Well, as I said, she was a judge. Um, and that doesn't mean that she was um, the kind of judge that we might normally imagine today, certainly in this country. She didn't wear a wig that I know of, um, didn't wear a special robe. She wasn't Judge Judy. Um, but uh, the judges, they, they did do a bit of judging. You know, the name, there was a, a purpose for the name, I think. They did um, rule on disputes that the, uh, the local courts, which existed amongst the tribes, if they couldn't agree on something, then they would bring the matter to um, the judge, uh, someone like Deborah, to, uh, to rule on. But mainly, the judges were military leaders. And we learned from Judges 2 and 16 that they were people who God raised up from time to time to deliver his people from their enemies. We're in the period between Joshua, um, when the people first went into the Promised Land, that's about 1400 BC, and when Paul, um, Paul, Saul, uh, became um, their first king about 350 <coughs> years later. So it's a 350 year period, and during that period, Israel was in um, a bit of a mess. They failed to drive out their enemies, like God had commanded. They were scattered um, around the various territories that Joshua had first assigned to them when they went in to the land. And they weren't very joined up. Uh, they had um, really nothing more than a, a loose confederation of tribes with little more in common than their language and their traditions. And this lack of unity made them weak. They had no professional army. There was no expectation that one tribe would come to the um, help of another if, um, if they were attacked. Um, and most of all, they continually uh, turned their back on the only one who could have been all the strength that they needed, um, the God, of course. And so they were attacked uh, frequently. Uh, one, because of their weakness. Second, because they hadn't driven out their enemies. And thirdly, because God allowed it. And why did God allow it? God allowed it because they kept turning away from him. And we see it throughout the whole of the book of Judges. A cycle that repeats itself over and over again. It, it, it goes like this. Firstly, the people turn away from God and do what is evil in the eyes of the Lord, the Bible says. Then God allows enemies to oppress them, to bring them to their senses. Then when they've been brought to their senses, they turn back to God and cry out for help. Then God raises up a deliverer, someone like Deborah or one of the other judges. Then there's peace for a time until the judge dies. And then they go back to doing what they were doing before and they do evil in the eyes of the Lord and it all starts all over again. 
Now, the judges weren't appointed as official rulers um, of Israel. They weren't kings by um, another name. But they were leaders, and they ruled by the consent of the people because they had credibility. A credibility which came from their military skills and their track record of good judgments, I assume. But most of all, it's because the people recognised that God was with them. And that's one of the few things that we know about Deborah. We know she was a judge. We know she was married. Although we know hardly anything about her husband and we don't know whether she had any children. Uh, But she's described as a prophet. So we know that she wasn't just a military leader. She was also a spiritual leader. So we know that. But that's about it. Apart from one story when she led an attack against the Canaanites, we really don't know anything else about Deborah. So it's a sunny day, short ministry, what's not to like? (laughs) Um, Except that that one story is a really good one. And it tells us a lot about Deborah and about the people and about the God who Deborah served. So we're going to read the story. There's no children in here today, but for the sake of the recording, I'm going to give this a 12A rating on this story, especially towards the end. Anyone who's listening to this for any reason afterwards, if you've got small children, you might want to listen to the whole story before you let them in um, on the conclusion. Anyway, so I'm going to read the story. And actually, I'm I'm reading from the NIV, so I know that everyone doesn't use that version. But um, you might like to listen to the story anyway rather than try to read it, uh, read it with me because I've edited the story. Now, Angela said it's, it's wrong to edit the Bible, and I know that. But <laughs> we have to remember that these were historical records, okay? They included a lot of place names and names of people and their family lines for historical reasons. They weren't necessarily written just for storytelling, um, And so, rather than making it an exercise and seeing how many long names I can pronounce, um, and it does kind of distract the flow of the story, I've made a few small changes, but believe me, it is faithful to the text, um, 99% of it. Um, So hopefully we'll we'll get a good uh, feel for the story. So I'm reading from Judges chapter 4, verse 1, if you want to just check up on this later. And it goes like this. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan. Sisera, the commander of his army, who had 900 chariots fitted with iron, had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. So they cried to the Lord for help. Now Deborah, a prophet and the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at the time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go, take with you ten thousand men from Naphtali and Debulun, and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, together with his chariots and troops, to the Kishon River, and will give him into your hands. Barak said to her, If you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. 
Certainly, I will go with you, said Deborah. But because of the course you're taking, the honour will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh, and there Barak summoned the men of Zebulun and Naphtali, and 10,000 went up under his command, and Deborah also went with him. When they told Sisera that Barak had gone to Mount Tabor, he summoned all his men and his 900 chariots fitted with iron. Then Deborah said to Barak, Go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. As Barak advanced, the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword, and Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot. Barak pursued them, and all Sisera's troops <coughs> fell by the sword. Not a man was left. Sisera, meanwhile, <coughs> fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite, because there was an alliance between King Jabin and the family of Heber. Jael went out to meet him and said, Come, my lord, come right in, don't be afraid. So Sisera entered her tent, and she covered him with a blanket. I'm thirsty, he said. Please give me some water. She opened a skin of milk, gave him a drink, and covered him up. Stand in the doorway of the tent, he told her. If anyone comes by and asks, is anyone in there, just say no. But while he lay fast asleep, exhausted, Jael picked up a tent peg and a hammer and went quietly to him. She drove the peg through his head into the ground and he died. Just then Barak arrived and Jael went out to meet him. Come, she said, I will show you the man you're looking for. So he went in with her, and there lay Sisera with the tent peg through his head, dead. On that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, and the hand of the Israelites pressed harder and harder against him, until he was destroyed. So, great story, true story of God uh, giving a victory to his people. So let's see if we can work out what kind of um, person Deborah was. Firstly, as I said, she's described as a prophet. And there's nothing bad written about her at all. So we must assume that she was a godly woman. It's interesting to note that General Barak um, wouldn't go into battle without her. That's not because he valued her military experience particularly, I don't think, but I think it was more because he knew that God was with her. Taking Deborah into battle, I think, as far as he was concerned, was a bit like taking the Ark of the Covenant into the battle, and you might remember that they did that on one occasion. I think Deborah must have been spiritually resilient. I think we can assume that reasonably from the story. Remember, the Israelites were doing evil in the eyes of the Lord. And sin, like leaven, the Bible tells us, has a pervasive effect. As it says in 1 Corinthians 15 and 33, bad company corrupts good character. It's hard to be righteous when everyone around you is doing something else. Which is why we should choose our friends and our company carefully. 
reminds me of um, an illustration that Jim Seddon um, did on at least a couple of occasions in the Bible class that he, he ran in, in Liverpool. don't know if you remember this one, uh, Stephen Ange. Um, I have to say, I, I don't condone his methods on this one. It was a, there was a total disregard for health and safety. <laughs> However, <laughs> this was a great example, and like every great example and story, I remembered it. And uh, he got one of the kids to stand on a chair, and then he got one of the other kids, one of us, to come up, and he told the person on the chair to pull the other person up to the chair, um, and he told the other person on the ground to pull the other one down. That's what I mean about danger. Yeah, so you know what happened. You know, the ambulance was pretty swift to Corte Park. Um, but it taught us a very obvious lesson because, you know, we were all a bit weedy. So <laughs> the person on the chair couldn't pull the person up. And it just illustrated that it's easier to pull someone down than it is to pull somebody up. And the spiritual lesson from that is obvious. And Deborah didn't allow herself to be pulled down by trying to make herself popular by doing the kind of things that the people were doing around her. She remained true to her faith and to her God. Of course, she must have had strong leadership qualities, mustn't she? A good track record in making uh, good judgments. Um, she must have had the ability to instill confidence in those who followed her, because they did um, <coughs> what she said. But I think it's worth keeping in mind that these were hard and violent times. Sin was rampant, alliances were often broken, as Caesar um, found out, and Barak was clearly a strong and willful man himself and clearly a potential threat to the, to the leadership of Deborah. It would have required strong leadership qualities from anyone in those circumstances. So as a woman in a male-dominated society, I think... I think Deborah is all, all the more impressive. She was strong, confident, courageous, assertive, and focused. And even though she gave in to Barak when he refused to go with her original plan, um, I think she was still very much in charge because you notice it was Deborah who gave the command to um, Barak in the end when the time came for them to go into battle. And all of this makes it very clear to me that although we don't read about many strong women in the Bible, women like Deborah show us that God's design for the human race doesn't include any gender assigned weaknesses or inferiority given to women. I know I've made this point uh, recently in another ministry, but although we know that God does assign different roles to men and women in service, it's not a question of ability. And in the days of the judges, Deborah was the best man in Israel. So, what was the, um, the basis of her confidence and courage? I think it just came down to a complete trust in God. You remember her initial plan was basically to let the enemy chase her into the ambush that Barak was then going to lead. It was a, a dangerous plan. And unlike Barak, she wasn't insisting on who was going to go with her. And actually, unlike Gideon, the judge that followed on from Deborah, she wasn't putting fleeces out and testing what the Lord really wanted. She was absolutely confident about what God wanted her to do. And she was 100% willing to do it, whatever the risk.
and she was confident about the outcome, that the enemy would be defeated, and that the leader of the Canaanites' army would be killed, and that he would die at the hands of a woman. I assume that Deborah only knew this by divine, direct revelation. There's no record of any kind of plot between Deborah and Jael, and even if there had been, you know, they, they couldn't, you know, that wouldn't have led to her being able to predict the outcome um, of it all in the way that she did. We're not told how Deborah got these revelations, and some might say that's a pity, because it would be great if we knew her secrets. Christians spend a lot of time um, trying to discern God's will about various things. And yes, some things aren't as clear as we would like them to be in the Bible, but at least we have the Bible. We have God's word, don't we? We have God's word written down for us in detail and preserved. We have a breadth and depth of revelation that Deborah never had. So we have even more reason than Deborah to be confident in our faith and what God wants us to do and about the future that he's promised, the prophecies that we have that have not yet been fulfilled. As I said before, one of the things that we know about Deborah is her ability to inspire confidence in others. In the victory song that Deborah and Barak sung in chapter 5, and um, we won't take the time to read, um, to read all that. It goes on a bit. It's not, it wasn't a great hit, but you know, there's, there's lots of good stuff in it. But reading the whole song, well, I won't read the whole song. But they, read, and I mean, they, they, sat, they sang it on the spur of the moment, clearly, so it wasn't going to be, want to be one of their best efforts. Um, actually, it is, said, it is thought that whatever they said, that this was probably an edited version of it, that when the Book of the Judges was written, it was kind of polished up a bit. Judge, um, scholars actually um, um, think that. But um, in that victory song, we get a little bit more insight in how this Israelite army was, was put together. Remember, I said before, there was no professional army in place. So where did they all come from? Well, it says in chapter 5, verse 7, villagers in Israel would not fight. They held back until I, Deborah, arose. Until I arose, a mother in Israel. God chose new leaders when war came to the city gates. But not a shield or spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. My heart is with Israel's princes, with the willing volunteers among the people. Praise the Lord. There are a lot of definitions of leadership that I've come across um, over time. But uh, the best one, I think, the simplest one, I think can be summarised in just one word. And it's the word followers. It doesn't matter what roles are assigned to people, then or now. God raises up leaders, men and women, to lead his people. Men and women who inspire confidence in others. Men and women who gather followers. Deborah was a woman who inspired the untrained villagers of the tribes to leave their homes and families and to go into battle. 
you know the office of overseer um, might be one that's given to men in the New Testament church pattern. But the, the role of shepherding, which is absolutely a responsibility of overseers, is also one that women and actually anybody else in the church can share in in many different ways. So Deborah is, is something of a role model, isn't she? Not just for the women, but actually for all of us. True, she clearly was an exceptional woman, and her qualities are probably on a par with some of the greatest military leaders in history, so we might not expect to have to do or be able to do some of the things that she did exactly. But in other ways, we can imitate her qualities, her courage, her confidence, her trust in the Lord, her spiritual resilience, her strength and assertiveness. These are qualities that we can all try to imitate. They're qualities and behaviours that with God's help we can develop in our own lives. And likewise, wisdom is something that the Bible tells us that we can ask God for help to improve. Leadership. There's always been a debate about the leadership, about whether leaders are born or made. Um, but I think the overwhelming evidence and opinion is that leaders, um, leadership is an ability that anyone can develop. But it starts with, for me, caring about those that you would want to lead, caring about those around you, developing a shepherd heart in the context of the church for your brothers and sisters. So, as, as I've said, outside the, the narrow roles defined within our formal church service, there are opportunities for us all to be leaders in various ways, in school, in home, in work, in local communities, and within the church, opportunities for men and women. Now, my focus is meant to be just on Deborah, um, our main character study, but to finish, I'd just like to highlight um, a few other points that I think we can learn from the life of Deborah and the, uh, the battle that we've, uh, we've, we've, we've read about. So first one is that we do, of course, learn something about God's attitude to women, as I've been saying, and that should be an, an encouragement. You know, if we're talking stereotypes, the role of Deborah, the role that Deborah played as a judge and a military leader in Israel um, it's the kind of thing that you'd ex expect a, a tough, strong, manly man you know, to, to do. But God chose Deborah instead. He busted the stereotype. Secondly, we also learn something about God's grace and mercy and his patience. The people, as I said at the beginning, they did evil continually. The cycle that repeated itself time and time again. And yes, God did allow enemies to attack them. He did discipline them. But only with a view to bringing them to repentance show, so that he could show them forgiveness. He's a God of grace and mercy and patience. Thirdly, of course, although he used Deborah to achieve his purposes, the victory was all his, wasn't it? In verse 14, um, it talks about Deborah 
saying that the Lord was going ahead of them. And in verse 15 it says that it was the Lord who routed, who overpowered um, Sisera. So it, it was the Lord's victory. But in chapter 5, honour is given to those who served. Honour is given to those who were part of the battle. And it just, it just speaks to us, I think, of how in everything, anything that we might achieve for the Lord, it's all the Lord who does it in the end. It's his victory. He's the one who enables. But we have the privilege of service. We have the privilege of being part of it. We have the privilege of being used by God to achieve great things. That's got to be an encouragement, isn't it? But there's something else in chapter 5, the song that we haven't read. Um, because although there is honour for those who served, there's also rebuke for the tribes who didn't. Because not everybody joined in. Not all the tribes answered the call. And that reminds me a bit of the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 and 10 says that at the judgment seat of Christ, each of us will receive what is due for the things that we've done, whether good or bad. We know that at that assessment of our lives, there will be honour and reward for those who have lived lives and have served in ways which are well-pleasing to the Lord. But it says we'll also be lost, sir. I think it's the tears that we read about in Revelation. There will be loss and there will be tears and rebuke for those who have not served well. Who when their lives are assessed as nothing but wood, hay and stubble. They'll still retain their eternal lives, of course, but nothing else. Now if you'd lived in the days of Deborah, after the great victory over the Canaanites, which are the tribes that you would have wanted to be part of? The tribes who were being honoured or the tribes that were rebuked for not joining in? It's a similar challenge that we have for our own lives. We all have the opportunity and the challenge I give you today to join in with the things of the church, whether locally or in a wider capacity. There are always things that we can do. So, we are going to finish a little bit earlier uh, today. I hope you don't mind. Um, but um, I think what the revelation um, to me was... Um, reading about Deborah, is that although there's only a couple of chapters um, about her, there is actually an awful lot that we can learn. Uh, she was a remarkable woman and she was used by God in a, in a remarkable way. Um, and she had qualities which, even though they were used in extreme circumstances, they are qualities that I think that we can and should, must imitate in our own day-to-day -day lives. Let's speak to God once more in prayer.